the fuss and tell me what's that happening. This is the Pyro Life Podcast, episode 12. Today is Friday, October 2nd, and we are heading into the midst of week four. You can find the whole pyromaniac plethora of podcasts on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher. And guys, if you dig us, please, we haven't had a review in a while, drop what you're doing. Take a couple of minutes and give us a review. Subscribe to our podcast, give us a review. It really helps us to get noticed, provides hits, brings us attention from the podcasters out there and podcast world, and it brings you good karma. Now, guys, I know you were expecting D-Rex to sit in with me tonight, and I'm afraid I'm the bearer of bad news. He is off rescuing puppies from burning buildings, so I'm going to break it down with you tonight. Again, I'm Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter. At Pyromaniac Mo, it's all letters, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-C-M-O. The rest of the crew is at Pyromaniac, P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. And before I get going, let's hear from our sponsor. Fantasy Sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play Daily Fantasy Sports. Daily Fantasy means no season-long commitments. Play whenever you want. Just pick your sport and draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play. So you're never stuck with the same players. Over $1 billion will be won at DraftKings.com this year, and you could be the next big winner. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O. If you do so, all new users to DraftKings receive a deposit matching bonus of up to 600 big ones. And you get a $3 game voucher for free. That's on DraftKings.com, promo code PYRO. All right, folks, before we get going, I'd just like to say... If this gig works well, if I do okay solo, who knows where this is going to lead. Maybe I'm going down to uh, Cape Canaveral, trying out for NASA next week. Who knows where that could go. If that doesn't work out, maybe I'll just start my own drug cartel. I've seen Scarface. I can do it. Hey, let's check out last night's game. If you are a Justin Tucker owner, you are one happy kitty. He went 3-for-3 on his field goals, including a 52-yarder in OT to win against the Steelers, giving Baltimore their first win of the season. You know me, guys. I'm wearing my iHeart Justin Forsett boxers right now, and Forsett is back, baby. I'm going to take off my pants and just sit with my boxers blazing for the world to see. Now, it took the Bears a while to get accustomed to the Trestman system. Finally, I think that's starting to happen in Baltimore. They were starting to open up some holes for him. Uh, He's still not catching the passes out of the backfield like I'd like to see, but it's starting to turn a corner. He had one of the best games of his career. Now, even though he's been vultured a few times, you know, I think it was Talia Farrow last week, Campanero was yesterday, he's still dominating the snaps. He got 63 snaps last night. The next biggest production from a uh, Baltimore running back was 14. From Campanero, Telly Farrow had just 11, and Buck Allen only had six. So I don't think they're phasing him out. I really believe in Forsett, and man, did he look like the back I remember from last season. Uh, Campanero, speaking of which, he left the game with a back injury, and so did Stevie Fists, who was none too happy about it. Pointing out that to his old teammate, Mike Mitchell, he's apparently now on his, quote, lifetime hit list. Man, the guy keeps a list? Goodness gracious. Even though it was really Timmons that was responsible, um, Stevie, who is Baltimore's only viable receiver, while Perriman, who, I don't know if you've looked at him, but goodness, does he look like an old man. 
Stevie could be out. He's got a long time to recover before week five happens, so we shall see. Uh, as an Acostas Furberger, that's Big Ben for you newbies to Pyro, as a Big Ben owner myself, I was really anxious to see what happened last night. I wanted to see the offense without him. I've also got Bell in a league. To me, Bell's value rises without Big Ben. Now, Antonio Brown, who the streak ended, he only went 5 for 42 last night. Personally, I think his stock falls just a bit. However, I got a caveat to that. I would try floating some offers. I would reach out to the Brown owner. Um, if you really look at last night, yeah, he was 5 for 42, but he should have scored a touchdown. I mean, 9 times out of 10, that's a touchdown. He's making that catch. Uh, Vic, now he's got 9 or 10 days to prepare for week 5, get in some more snaps. He only had a handful of days to get ready before this game after Big Ben's injury from week 3. I think we're going to see a better Brown in week 5. He's just too talented. Yeah, he might be a wide receiver too from now, this point out, from now on. But still, uh, I'm going to float an offer to the Brown owner in my league. See if he's getting nervous. It, it can't hurt to see what someone's thinking. And I say now is an opportunity to buy low on him. Also, just to remind everyone, if you want to dominate your league, pick up a Pyro Pro membership. You get all of our rankings. All of our write-ups for every player we rank, and the coolest part is you get to load all your fantasy players. This way you don't have to sift through and uh, pick just for your guys. Everything gets sent right to you. The rankings, the write-ups, the news feeds, boom, all get sent to you. Plus you get a resource toolbox, uh, fantasy charts, data points, and the, the crowning jewel is the second opinions. You get direct access to the Pyro Mindshare. You ask, we shall answer. Now, I know a lot of people have actually been asking me for an update on the Pyro Pro League. D-Rex and I were going to get into it, uh, but seeing that he is not here, we will get into that after we've finished four games. So next week, we'll deal with the Pyro Pro, and we'll see where everyone stands. All right, let's get rolling, folks. Huey Lewis and the news and notes. Rex Ryan has ruled out Sammy Watkins and LaShawn McCoy for week four. Uh, this could be big news for Carlos Williams and Percy Harvin, both of whom I'm going to talk about here in a bit. Don't forget there's a hurricane game, Philly versus Washington. Now there was talk that the NFL could postpone this game to Monday or maybe even do it on their bye weeks, week eight, and use this week as their bye week. There was even talk of going to a neutral site. Um, however, around the NFL, they reported today, just a few hours ago, in fact, that the game is set to be played as scheduled. Doesn't mean that that can't change, but as of right now, Friday night, the game will be played Philly versus Washington as scheduled. Speaking of crazy games, don't forget you got an England game. A bit of tea and crumpets, as it were, uh, across the pond, Miami versus the Jets. It's coming in at 9.30 in the morning, and man, like I need another reason to neglect my children. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm pretty good with Barbie. And let me tell you, that broad, man, can she pull off an outfit. Anyway, the Jets and the Dolphins. They're a 9.30 start in the Eastern Standard Time Zone, so don't wake up and have an, oh, shit, kind of breakfast special because you forgot to set your lineup accordingly. That's the Jets and the Dolphins, 9.30 a.m. on Sunday. 
Speaking of Miami, Jordan Cameron was limited today in practice. He is currently listed as questionable. A guy I've been waiting for on one of my teams, Arian Foster. Game time decision. Now, if he goes, I'm plugging him in. I've got no problem. I don't think they're going to risk anything unnecessarily. I think if he goes, he is good to go. Even if it is blue, however, this is a choice matchup. for the, uh, They're playing the Falcons. No other team has given up more fantasy goo to opposing running backs. So I'm liking the Texans running backs this week, whoever they are. Arizona. B.A. B.A. Baracus, or in this case, Bruce Arians, gave Ellington a 50-50 earlier in the week. But today I saw Josina Anderson reported that Ellington should be good to go. However, Arians said that he is indeed going to start Chris Johnson regardless. Not only that, Bruce Arians said with the way C.J. has been playing, Chris Johnson, he's going to get 15 to 20 touches even when Ellington returns. Now, personally, folks, I've got both in the Pirate League, in fact. Not sure if I'm going to play either one just yet. Still weighing my options, still tossing that one around. But if I was to play one, I got to tell you, I'm going to have Ellington on the bench. I'm going to play CJ. He's going to start. He had a heck of a game last week. This team is rolling. And if he's getting 15 to 20 touches, I think that's enough for him to be fantasy relevant. Let's look at Chicago. Uh, the NFL Network is reporting that Alshon will not play again. Alshon is out for week four, heading out to Seattle. Lynch, he's going to be a game-time decision. Now, this is a Monday nighter as they face my beloved Lions. Um, even if the news comes in you know, Monday afternoon, that's not going to help any owners. You need to make that decision before 9.30 in the morning on Sunday. So if you're going to risk it, plug them in as a flex play. There's some backup options that we're going to be discussing later. Rawls, I certainly like if Fugly McSkittles is not playing. And even on the other end of the uh, spectrum there, on the other side of the ball, you know I like me and my Notre Dame players, and I am liking Theoretic. I'm going to talk about both those guys coming up. Atlanta head coach Dan Quinn said that Julio, who is listed as questionable, should be, quote, ready to rock according to Dan Quinn. He got into full practice today. Carolina, Jay Stew, Jonathan Stewart. I got him in my Dynasty League. Haven't been playing him, but I'm considering it. After being limited in practice, he was able to go full on today, Friday. He's considered probable for the weekend. Although Stewart has not been what we remembered from the end of last season, he has a nice matchup against Tampa. They are currently giving up the sixth most fantasy points to running backs in PPR formats. They have given up the second most rushing yards this season to running backs. They have allowed four rushing touchdowns on the season and have given up at least 14 fantasy points to a single running back in each of the first three weeks. This includes Alfred Blue, Mark Ingram, and 22 points, 22.6 to be exact, to Bishop. My, 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 Sankey. So lesser backs have certainly been successful against this Tampa defensive crew. Doug currently has him just inside of his top 20 uh, as an RB2 this week. Uh, Detroit, same matchup. We've got uh, Joyke Bell 
goodness, 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 Mr. Bell. He did not practice Thursday or Friday, listed as questionable. If Lombardi and Caldwell would wake up, goodness, if they would wake up, they might discover that they've got some excellent talent sitting right there in-house. I mean, Amir Abdullah, they've got Zach Zenner, they've got Theo Riddick, but they're just not adapting their system to the talent they have. Really, though, I, I see Riddick as kind of unaffected by Bell's status. However, it does have a direct impact on Abdullah. If Bell sits, I like moving Abdullah up, but keep your expectations tempered. Remember, they do play Seattle. Zach Zenner is certainly one to watch going forward. Uh, I'm not pulling the trigger yet, but just he's someone I'm keeping my eye on. A couple of tight ends here. Julius Thomas got some practice time, but he's also, he's out, and Vernon Davis is out. Both Julius Thomas and Vernon Davis out week four. Indy. Man, they signed Josh Johnson. Played his college ball at San Diego. Bumped around the league, San Francisco to the Jets briefly. Uh, they signed him on Sunday of luck. Cannot go. Hasselbeck's going to get the start. Luck tried to practice yesterday. Started throwing balls. Could not make it through. Uh, today, once again, Hasselbeck got all the first team snaps. That's Friday's practice, so it's not looking good. I'm going to have to adjust my DFS lineups. I got uh, TY in one. I've got Minecraft in another. And without luck, I am pulling those cats. All right, folks, let's switch over. Now that we're done with Huey Lewis and the news and notes, let's talk about some flex appeal, shall we? All right, I'm going to say it. I like Percy Harvin, especially with Sammy Watkins ruled out. Harvin's is stepping in to the number one role for wide receivers in Buffalo. Through three weeks, he's got 18 targets and nearly 200 yards. The Giants have let up nearly 97 yards per game to opposing number one wide receivers, and that is exactly what Percy Harvin is this week. He's available in nearly 43% of leagues on ESPN. On NFL Fantasy, he's available in just over 60. So I like him as a possible flex play, a guy that you probably can grab and plug right into your lineup. Now, PPR leagues, let's take a look here. Last week, I called for Dunbar. He did not disappoint. I still think Dunbar is a great PPR play. He's got some PPR prowess. A guy that is perhaps more long-term is, again, my boy Theo Riddick. I got some things that will surprise you. In PPR formats, he's a running back number two. He comes in as the 19th best running back in PPR. In fact, that's two spots ahead of his teammate Amir Abdullah and 35 Three, five spots ahead of Joyke Bell. Week three, Riddick was tied for the second most targets. He had 10 targets week three. He caught eight for a total of 66 yards, and he put up nearly 15 fantasy points. Riddick is tied for the fifth most targets of all running backs this season. His targets have increased each week from two to six to 10. That's trending in the direction you like. Joyke Bell is listed as quite, uh, Joyke Bell listed questionable for week four. This might increase his targets as well. Now, this week, they're 10-point underdogs. They've got a rough game coming up. Um, the game plan is going to call for them to pass. That is right up his alley as they face Seattle. Now, keep an eye on him even week five. Looks rough on paper. Arizona, 
but they've got a soft spot for backs coming out of the backfield. They've given up the eighth most receptions to running backs coming out of the backfield and the third most yards. I'm liking Riddick for some PPR prowess. My PPR wide receiver I'm keeping an eye on is Krabby Patty, Michael Crabtree. Interestingly enough, Krabby leads the team in targets, 33 to Amari's 31. We always say, and Stag Party said it here last week, one of the best predictors of fantasy success is recognizing target trends. Now, just on a sidebar, I wonder if the future Mrs. Party is going to appreciate his knowledge as much. Hmm. So as Stag says, an indicator of future success is recognizing trends. We here at Pyro, we were one of the first ones to bring you targets, touches, and looks, and well, folks, that is exactly what Crabtree is receiving. That's going to turn into fantasy goose sooner or later. Not only that, Crabby has four red zone targets to Omari's zero. Last one, and this one surprised me. Crabtree has been targeted on routes of 20 yards or more seven different times. Omari? Once. Krabby is currently the 27th rated fantasy performer in PPR leagues, just 10 spots behind Amari. He's at 17, and that's just because of touchdown production. Touchdowns is not something you can count on, and targets is. Targets, he is leaving Oakland's wide receivers. Let's look at a, a stream team, if we can, for a moment. To quote the dead, sort of. All the players combine, they melt into a stream. Stella Blue. Now my quarterback, Carr. Love me some Carr. ESPN has his current ownership at 34%. He's got over 600 yards and a total of five passing touchdowns in his last two games. He's playing Chicago in week four, who has Kyle Fuller as part of their horrific secondary. Sorry, all you Bears fans out there, but it's true. Finally, he's putting the ball in the air. Both Amari and Crabtree are in the top 13 for wide receiver targets. Now, we've witnessed the precision with which Amari can run routes. Uh, just a minute ago, I ran through why I like Crabtree. Not only that, they've got some sneaky guys. Seth Roberts, he actually has just as many red zone targets as Crabtree. Plus, they've got a couple of very talented tight ends, Rivera, and the up-and-comer who we really like at Pyro, Walford, our boy David T. Thomas, the scout, likes him as well. Now, if Carr is gone, uh, there's always Tyrod, who I'm going to discuss later, but if he's gone as well, I got another one for you. Call me crazy, but Fitzpatrick. Now, again, this is the uh, morning game. ESPN has his current ownership at 12%, so I'm betting. If Carr's not there and Tyrod's not there, Fitzpatrick is going to be. If he can just limit his turnovers, things are going to get a whole lot better. So far this season, he's thrown two touchdowns in each game. He faces Miami, who have allowed six passing touchdowns on the year. And in each of the last two games, they've allowed over 270 passing yards, multiple TDs, and over 20 fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. That's exactly the kind of thing you're looking for from a guy you can stream, a guy you can pick up and plug in. I've got him going this week. Um, I wasn't, it's unfortunately, it's not a fab league, 
I, because I'm doing well, I'm being punished, and I'm lower on the waiver wire. Kara was gone. Tyrod was gone. So I'm pulling the pulling the trigger, and I'm going with Fitzpatrick. Tight ends. Said I liked my boy from Buffalo, Tyrod Taylor. He's throwing double T's, throwing to double C. Charles Clay. He's going up against the New York Giants. The G-Men are ranked as the fourth most points given up to the tight end position so far this season. Only three teams are allowing more fantasy production to the t- uh, opposing tight ends. They gave up, the Giants gave up, six and 96 last week to Jordan Reed, four for 77 to Jacob Tammy, and in week one, Witten grabbed six, uh, 60 yards on eight receptions, put up two touchdowns, and if that wasn't enough, they allowed Escobar to score a touchdown. Clay has a touchdown in each of his last two games. Clay's targets have risen in each week so far, going from four to six to seven targets last week. Trending in the right direction. I like me some double C. Defense, guy I'm going to be, or a team I'm streaming is Carolina. They're available in 43% of NFL fantasy leagues. And might I say, not a bad DraftKings play at 3,300. They're facing a rookie quarterback. They're facing uh, Tampa. Rookie quarterback. Tampa is giving up the ninth most fantasy points to opposing defenses. According to Vegas, this is the lowest scoring game of the week with just 40 points set at the over-under. So if you add all that up, Low on DraftKings, available in over 40% of the leagues on uh, NFL Fantasy. Lowest scoring game of the week, rookie quarterback, Carolina. And they are putting pressure on the quarterback. I like Carolina Panthers. Here is something we call the two-week, two-early, two-pick-up. If you're super hip, that is two-cubed. All right, guys, he's coming back. Antonio Gates. He's owned in 44% of fantasy leagues, so that's about 56% chance he's going to be available for you. He returns in week five. A lot of people have forgotten about him. Two of his first three games back, he faces top five teams for most points given up to tight ends. That's Pittsburgh and Oakland. Don't forget about Antonio. I said it last week on this very column. Kristen Michael. He got first team reps this week. Now, I've got some interesting stats on Randall coming up shortly. But the bottom line is, they lost last week. When Randall took the ball up the middle, to the left of center, he averaged negative one yard. When he ran it to the right of center, he averaged .8. Michael could very well be the powerful horse they need to kick it up the middle. Do not sleep on him. He has got such talent. He just has not been given a shot. The fact that he was playing with some first string reps this week is good news. I'm putting bids in in on Michael now. Uh, My boy I mentioned earlier, Double Z, Zach Zenner. Joyke Bell, guys, is ragged. He is 29 years old. He's been banged up all offseason. That's a huge predictor of future injuries. Uh, and this one comes from J.J. Zacharyson, number fire, and uh, late-round QB. 
Amir Abdullah's success rate is 43%. Now, if success rate, for those of you that don't know, it comes from advanced football analytics. Basically, the yards per carry, sometimes it doesn't reflect an actual performance. So, for example, uh, Randall last week, he had 14 total carries. His last 11 amounted to just one yard. Let me say that again. Randall had 14 carries. People think he had a great week. His last 11 amounted to one yard. Yet his average yards per carry last week was 6.2. Seems a little skewed, doesn't it? So the success rate, it really measures run consistency. That's where yards per carry can fail and success rate comes in. So while Abdullah, his success rate has been on 43% of his carries, Bell's success rate, 22-0. Bell is averaging 1.1 yards per carry. We've all seen what Riddick is doing. That is great in PPR, but if Caldwell can wake up, he's going to realize the real help could come from Zenner, as he could be a far more powerful back in between the tackles than Bell. Another old line here. Sounds like I've got some bias, but Reggie Bush. Guys can't sleep on him, just like Antonio Gates. He's going to be coming back as well. I think you could pick him up now. People are going to start to want to get him next week or the week after. Hence the title of this segment, Two Weeks Too Early to Pick Up. But Bush, don't forget about him. And with this offense that they are pulling out every week goodness gracious it looks like they're going to be playing from behind and doing so often in san francisco i could see a lot of short passes coming from cappy to bush uh, bush got into full practice this week and he's likely to start on sunday i'm not running out there and starting them by any means but i think there's this offense is going to be playing from behind most often and bush is going to fill that role he's going to be the guy catching passes out of the backfield now here's my stock market play Sell high on Joseph Randall. Just started talking about him a moment ago. Yes, he looked great, especially if you're just surfing the box score. But guys, I watched a great deal of that game. He totaled, as I said, 14 attempts. His last 11, he netted one yard. His longest rush in those last 11, cuatro, four. In that time, he had a total of five attempts that went for zero or negative yards. Atlanta simply adjusted their defense. That's it, which is exactly what I expect most defenses to do. Dallas is basically one-dimensional now without Romo and Dez. Defenses are going to start stacking the box. They, they, they saw the tape. We all saw what he did just on those three plays, and it's not hard to stop. Atlanta did it, and they're terrible. The fact is they have a third down pass-catching back in Lance Dunbar. Plus, they still use Darren McFadden. And like I said, they've got Kristen Michael coming up. I'm selling high on Joseph Randall. Another guy kind of goes along with my Bush call, Carlos Hyde. Bush is set to return, just like I mentioned. San Francisco looks horrific. I know PFF loves this kid. They've got him ranked really high or rated really high. But week two, Hyde's yards per carry average was 3.3. Week three, his yards per carry was 3.4. And like I said, this offense is going to be playing from behind. The game script is going to call for a passing attack, which favors Bush, not Hyde. His snap count has dropped every week. 55 in week one, 45 in week two, 30 the last week. The 55 came from their only win 
this season. I think this team is more like what we saw the last two weeks, not what we saw in week one. So if this last two weeks is more reflective of what we're going to see when he's in for 30 to 45 snaps, it means more passing, it means less rushing, it means less production. Now, buy and low. All right, folks, time for me to get on the couch. Now, before I start talking about this fella, just so everyone is aware, he is officially questionable for week four, but John Brown. Guys, do I still have some preseason love in me? Or maybe I just traded for this guy and I've got some buyer's remorse. I want someone to, to tell me, you know, pat me on the back and tell me it's going to be all right and sing to me softly. But John Brown is good. I saw him. He passes my eye test. Now, I know they're trying to get the ball to Floyd more, but... God, Floyd had one target in each of the first two games. He had five last week, bringing his yearly total to seven. I know Fitzgerald looks good. He's all the rage. Fitzgerald's 32 years old. Dog mentioned this in last week's podcast. I I just don't know how long this is going to continue. His body is up there. He doesn't rebound quickly as he used to. I don't think he can sustain his level of play. Fitzgerald cannot sustain his level of play throughout the season. JB can. He is a deep target threat, and his talent is just off the charts. I don't think we'll be down all season. I think he's going to have his ups. He's going to turn it around. He may not have the year we've hoped for, but I think in the end his talent will win out. So I'm buying low on John Brown. I'm also buying low on Nelson Aguilar. ESPN has him as the second most dropped wide receiver this week. His ownership there is now just over 50%. It was 70% last week. He was in nearly 80% of snaps week one. It's not like they're not going to him. He was in 76% of snaps week two, and last week, 93% of snaps. One, the offense just isn't really clicking the way it, it should. Bradford seems almost robotic back there. He's not taking the shots downfield like he should. And he's faced, Aguilar has faced some really tough matchups. He's faced Desmond Trufant. He's a top 20 cornerback. Last week, he saw a lot of Revis. So week four, this is going to be a telltale sign, but I'm buying low while you can. That's what the buy low is all about. You got to do it before they have the game. Week four, he's got a good matchup. He's going to be going up against Bashad Breland, pro football focus. They rate 100 cornerbacks this last week. And out of the 100 cornerbacks they rated in coverage, Breland comes in at number 84. That means there's only 16 guys that are worse than him. If the line can block and if Bradford can make a deep pass and actually take a shot, then I think Aggie is going to surprise a bunch of people. We saw his talent. David T. Thomas loves this kid. David T. Thomas said he's one of the best route runners he's seen in 10 years. I'm buying low on Aggie. They're using him. He just hasn't had the production yet. He hasn't had the opportunity. Week four, he does. All right, folks, here's my steaming hot tip of the week. It's called Fab Price Enforcement. Free agent acquisition budget. You don't want people to skate for free and get away with steals. So keep tabs on the waiver wire. For example, last week there was a ton of quarterbacks that were hot tickets out there. If you're playing a guy 
For example, in the upcoming matchup, and you just happened to see that they lost Big Ben last week, you know he's going to hit the waivers. If you pick up a viable quarterback, that means he is not. Even if you're not up against a guy who's surfing needing a quarterback, these guys are in your league. You want to keep them honest. If you have a waiver wire spot, throw down a, a low bid, a minimum bid, just to make sure nobody steals this guy. Make sure people are paying for it. Now, if somebody outbid you, fine. They're paying a fair price. That's what price enforcement's all about. But if you end up with them, then great. You've got some insurance or maybe even a potential bargaining chip. You know, a future trade option. A little bit of insurance. I know D-Rex, we were talking the other day. He was talking about the trades he's making now. He's got his eye on weeks 14, 15, and 16. He said he's basically not interested in an earlier midseason trade that doesn't bring a guy to his squad that has a favorable matchup when it counts most. So it's not too early to start looking towards the fantasy playoffs. All right, guys, we're going to wrap up here with the daily dose. So for you DFS players, I know I'm one of them doing pretty well this year so far. Last week was a huge scoring week. This week should be down. This week should be a good running back week. Now, good cheap running back week because really there's a lot of games that have a script that's calling for Vegas seven point or more wins. There are several games like that, meaning a lot are going to be running back dominated. Uh, I like a lot of cheap running backs this week, but before I get there, I'm going to start off with the quarterback. I mentioned Derek Carr as my stream quarterback. He is certainly in play here. I plugged him in to a few of my lineups. But I'm going to roll with Tyrod Taylor. He faces the Giants, who have allowed 300 passing yards in every game so far this year. Three 300-yard passing games to opposing quarterbacks. One of their starting D tackles, Marcus Kuhn, he's out. Robert Ayers, their starting left defensive end, he's out. His replacement, Devontae Moore, is rated as the 10th worst defensive end in 4-3 schemes by Pro Football Focus. Tyrod Taylor. Now, running back. I mentioned him earlier, too. We've got a bunch of cheap running backs this week. Rawls, if Marshawn is indeed out. Rawls is the minimum 3,000 on DraftKings. Seattle plays Detroit. Only eight teams are giving up more fantasy goo to the position than my beloved Lions. They have given up a total of four rushing TDs. That's at least one every team they have faced so far. Now remember, this is a Monday nighter. But like I mentioned earlier, if Lynch does go, you can grab Riddick for the same price. It's not going to affect your budget at all. So, Lynch out. I roll Rawls. Lynch in. I just make the switch in the same game. I go Riddick, especially in DraftKings, which is a full PPR league. Also on Buffalo, Carlos Williams. As we mentioned, McCoy is out. Now, Williams, guys, I had a lot of people ask about him. McCoy is still there. They paid a lot for him. It's not like Carlos Williams is going to take over the system, but he's played well enough to eat into his production. And when McCoy is out, I love me this kid. I'm an English teacher, and I just said that. On DraftKings, he's only 3,400. 
Again, now if you're playing FanDuel, you're hoping for about two times production, but DraftKings, you want three times production. So, using my DraftKings example, 3,400. That means you want to get about 13.2 points. I think Williams could easily get you five times score. I think he can easily get you 16 points. The Giants, whom he's facing, are averaging just over 30 points a game to the opposing team's running backs. 30 fantasy points a game to the opposing team's running backs. Amazingly enough, they have actually given up over 13 fantasy points to four individual running backs in only three games. Dunbar, Randall, and Freeman have scored between 13 and 16 points. And Washington's Chris Thompson just scored over 22 points his own self. Carlos Williams, baby. Now, I said there was some cheap running backs. You're always going to save money, and you're going to try to get the big guys later. But if you want some cheap wide receivers, look no further than Alan Hearns. Now, for those of you worried about his availability, his status, he did get into full practice today after being limited for the past two days. He should be fine. He faces Indy. They ain't what they used to be. Indy has Vontae Davis, but I'm not sweating that because you know Vontae Davis is following Robinson. That leaves Hearns with a tasty matchup with Jaleel Brown. Out of 100 cornerbacks, cornerbacks rated, by PFF, only 12 guys have a worse rating in coverage than Jaleel Brown after three weeks. The team is giving up the eighth most points to opposing pass catchers. They've allowed five touchdowns to the position. And every week so far, they've allowed the wide receiver number two, which is exactly what Hearns is, to score a touchdown. That's Percy Harvin, Eric Decker, Doriel Beckham-Green, all wide receiver number twos all have scored a touchdown this year. Alan Hearns is one of my wide receiver plays. My other DFS wide receiver play, Pierre Garçon. Boy, Garçon. Um, or boy, boy, I suppose. Last year against the Eagles, Garçon had one of his best games. Garçon caught 11 balls for 131 yards and a touchdown. That was, in fact, Kirk Cousins' best game as he put up three touchdowns and 427 yards. Dog likes Cousins this week. Deshaun Jackson is, once again, ruled out. He is not playing in week four. Garcon could be in line for another big in against Philly. So far this season, without Deshaun Jackson, Garcon is getting over 11 targets per game, 11 and a half to be exact, and Philly is giving up 113 yards to opposing number ones, which indeed is what Garcon is. Once again, this is the Hurricane game. Just keep it in mind, but it is scheduled to be played just as it was written. Now, my tight end. I like Bennett. I understand he's in Chicago, uh, but he's only 4,500 on DraftKings. Martellus Bennett has a choice matchup against Oakland. Through three games, no other team is giving up more receptions, yards, touchdowns, or fantasy points to the tight end position than the Raiders. Hell, they allowed Cleveland's Gary Barnage over 100 yards and a touchdown last week. Give me some black unicorn. My defense, here's a little bit of a strategy for you as well. I'm starting off with Seattle. Now, they're going against Detroit. Seattle is the most expensive play on DraftKings, rightly so, at 3700 
I always like to start with a high-priced defense that I am positive is going to perform well. Why do I do this? Why do I pick the surefire expensive ones? Well, then at the end, if I discover that I'm close to having a guy I want, and you always break it down at the end, and you know you're always just a little bit short for the guy you're really wanting to grab, I know I can go back, lower my defensive choice, and gain some extra dollars. Seattle's a great play against Detroit, most expensive at 3700 If indeed that is the case, again, I start with my defense, then at the end, if I discover there's a guy that I want, if only I could restructure and get a little bit more money, then for $1,000 less, gimme Green Bay. In DraftKings, they're only $2,700. they are going up against San Fran. According to DraftKings, San Fran is the worst-ranked offense. Now, in Pyro's PPR scoring, San Fran is giving up the fourth-most fantasy points to opposing defenses. In Pyro's standard scoring, they're giving up the second-most. Green Bay all the way, baby. Hey, folks. This is going to bring it to a close. I would like to thank you for sticking it out here with me on the Pyro Light Podcast. Once again, this has been episode 12, and man, time flies by when you're having fun. Hopefully D-Rex has saved all of the puppies, and he can jump back in again with me next week. Remember, guys, if you are digging what you hear here, Bring the conversation over to Facebook. That's forward slash Pyromaniac. As always, check out the boys on the Pyro Heavy podcast. We are coming to you bi-weekly. And stop by our website. We've got content that's always being updated and fantasy relevant. Thanks, guys. And until the next time, I will catch you later.